Hey friends, Ryan Dorn here coming up on this month's uh, podcast. We've got three great listener questions. Uh, Cindy from California, her company is crazy about meetings. Crazy bad. We get some thoughts on that. Emily asking Mike and I uh, about her 2020 habits. What should she be doing to be a sales success? And then an interesting one from Dexter out in Tulsa. He's saying people are going to wait till after the election. That's what they've told him to purchase anything. So we're going to talk specifically about that. Also, I'm going to spend some time on helping you with the reality check. How many people, buyers for your particular product or service are ready to buy right now? I've got some data for that and so much more. It's all coming up next here on the podcast. Stick around. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World Broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. What is going on, friends? Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us every month and uh, making the downloads uh, something to write home about. I don't know, maybe you're like me. My parents still ask me, what do you do for a living? You sell stuff. You have a podcast. You speak at conferences. People actually want to sit and listen to you talk about sales. Yes, they do, Mom. Yes, they do. (laughs) I love this business, man. You know, I I say it at the end of every show. If sales was easy, everybody would be doing it, and they're not. So we're either crazy, which is possible, or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, as I said, we got some great listener questions coming up. Mike Obert is going to dial in here in a couple seconds from Open Look Business Solutions. And uh, we're going to dissect those as we do every month. But uh, let's begin by talking about, I'd love to give you just a bit of a reality check here as we start off 2020. The reality is this, and these numbers are coming from Steve Richard over at sales consulting firm Voresight. I love these numbers. Going to kind of surprise you. Um, So there's three numbers to pay attention to. How about this? At any given time, only 3% of your market is actively buying something anything. Only about 3% of your buyers out there, whatever it is that you're selling, um, whether you're selling advertising or you're selling washing machines or, you know, you're selling telecom or you're selling software, you know, only about 3% of your market is actively looking to make a change right now. Like right now, right today, right now, about 3%. It's pretty low if you really think about it. Okay. The other two numbers, 56% of buyers Okay, for your particular product or service, 56% are not ready to buy anything. They're not ready to buy. 56%. Now, then you've got this 40% that are poised to begin doing something. Maybe they're doing a little research. Maybe their boss is barking at them. Maybe they've encountered a new business problem that they haven't necessarily thought about before. So that adds up to 99%. Ryan, for all you math people out there, Ryan, what about the other 1%? Okay, that 1%, they're just nuts. They're flat out crazy. <laughs> We've run into them. You know, when you're making sales calls, cold calling or whatever, you're out there, you just run it. Every now and again, you just meet a complete wackadoodle. They're just way out there. That's the other 1%. Okay, the numbers again. 3% of people in your market, whatever you're selling, about 3%. So let's just say 3 to 5, okay? 3 to 5% of people 
are actively buying like right now they want to buy. Wow, that's pretty low. 56% not ready to do anything. They're not looking, they're not researching, they're not ready to do anything. And then you got 40% that are poised to begin doing something. So maybe they're researching or whatever the circumstance is. And then you got the 1% of woohoo way out there and who knows about all of them, right? Okay, so how does this apply to us in the sales business? I think, I feel like a lot of times I'm working with folks, coaching them, and, and they're like, Ryan, I'm just, I can be better. I'm just not doing well. And then what we do is we dissect their sales process. And what, the, what I realize is that they're actually closing like 35%, which is not bad at all. Here's something, friends, from a reality perspective. What is a good close rate to you might not be the reality of the circumstance where you, where you live. I had somebody the other day, so crazy, said to me, Hey, you know, Ryan, you know, I'm, Ryan, I'm closing like 80% here, you know, and I need a little help to close that last 20%. I said, dude, you're, you're closing 80%, like eight in 10 proposals you present. People are buying eight in 10. Yeah. And I just thought that that's amazing. I mean, 80%. I know some of the biggest colleagues that I have in the speaking, motivation, sales training business, they don't close 80%. Just to be honest with you, I don't close 80%. I do pretty darn good. If I'm at 55, if I'm at 60%, you know, I'm doing you know pretty good for the products that I sell, not for my training services. That's completely different. I'm talking about products that I sell, software that I sell, sponsorships that I sell, events that I sell, things like that. If I can get above 50%, I'm, I'm like killing it. So what's kind of the average out there? Well, it really does depend uh, upon the business sector that you're in. Okay. I've heard realtors, realtors say if they can close 20%, they're killing it. I've got uh, an uncle in the car business, different people in the car business. I mean, if they can close 20%, two in 10 people that walk on the lot, they're doing awesome. Recently working with one of my very good friends. He's like, if I could close one in 10 that walk on the car lot, I'd be thrilled <laughs> beyond imagination. So what's the average? Everything I've read online, what I've observed from my clients, I'm seeing that average being around 35%. If you can set a goal to get to 30 some percent, that's, that's great. But every business is different. Here's the cautionary tale, though, friends. Cautionary tale. When, when you compare yourselves to, uh, yourself to others within your organization, you might also be doing yourself a disservice. I mean, look at the averages, but you might also be doing yourself a disservice. Okay, so let's think about our sales funnel, okay? Everyone tries to make it so complicated. It's like, it's not complicated. The sales funnel for all of us is pretty straightforward. It's basically three steps. You've got the top of the funnel of people that are sort of out there, but really either haven't heard about you or not thinking about it at all. Okay. So that's the top. That's your 56% of people. So it's not that you shouldn't prospect them. You should, they may not even know you're out there. Okay. Then you've got, as you move to the tip of the funnel, you're moving down the funnel towards the bottom of it, that middle section. Okay. That's about 40 some percent of people. That's people that are poised to begin to do, to do something. They're researching, they've got a need that's just come up or whatever. And then you've got that three-ish, three to five percent at the very bottom, the tip at the bottom of the funnel. Those are the folks like, bam, right now, hey, let's rock and roll, let's get, let's get ready to roll. See, what I'm trying to get at is, what I notice is, a lot of times sales reps I'm working with, they've got self-defeating syndrome, SDS. 
self-defeating syndrome. And so what they do is they defeat themselves because as they're looking at their numbers, like, oh, I'm just not good enough. They compare themselves to somebody that's been around for 20 years and um, they're not closing as much as them or whatever the circumstance is. So you've got to ask yourself, what percentage of your market is ready to buy right now? Balance that. Balance that against the number of people that are researching. Balance that against the people that are actually out there in the marketplace. And don't just grab numbers from thin air. See, friends, that's one of the biggest problems that I observe. When you ask somebody, what's your closing rate? They're like, oh, you know, it's about 60%. And when you research it, it's more like 20% or something along those lines. All right, so what is my encouragement to you in 2020? Well, one of the first things I'd love for you to do is you really need to adopt a personal sales plan. Okay, you really need to adopt a personal sales plan. Here's how I break mine down into three parts. Pretty easy to explain, and I'd love for you to make a note of it. Okay, the three stages of my personal sales plan for 2020. And keep in mind, friends, I sell 50% of my life. 50% of my life, I pay my bills selling things beyond training services. Just as a side note, could I get on my soapbox for a second? <laughs> There's a lot of trainers, speakers, book authors. They haven't sold Jack Diddle nothing in the last 15 years, and they're still writing books. Be careful, friends. Be careful. I want to learn from people that are actively selling. I mean, because if you don't, you're going to read books and people are going to say things like, you need to ask questions like, you know, what, what keeps you up at night? Okay, be careful about people like that that aren't actively selling in today's environment. No matter what you sell, I don't care. Cars, real estate, insurance, advertising, I don't care. If you're not selling today, you don't know what's happening on the street today. Well, you know, Ryan, back in 86 when I was dealing with IBM, you know, I, I love those stories. Keep sharing them with me when I see you on a plane or meet you at a pub or whatever. Keep sharing those stories. They're awesome. I love sales war stories. But here's the thing. You don't know the number of times I walk in to train a team and you can see it in their eyes. They're like, ah, oh, here we go again. Somebody that hasn't sold anything in 10 years is going to tell me to ask a question like, you know, what keeps you up at night? It's, really? So for me, this personal sales plan is personal to me because I sell just like you sell. Now, I may not sell the same thing as you, but I sell. And selling is selling. When push comes to shove, selling is selling. You got to get really good at it. It's hard. Here's my three phases to my personal sales plan. Phase one, I have a prospecting plan. I'll share it with you in a second. Okay, number two in my personal sales plan. That's my meetings plan. I have a very specific meeting plan. I have a very specific proposal plan. It's all part of the same thing there. And then the third step of my personal sales plan is retention. I work every day to retain customers, every single day. I'm a retention machine. I love retaining clients. It's one of my most favorite parts of the, of the job. Okay, so let's dissect those three areas very quickly. So the first is a prospecting plan. The second is some type of meetings and proposal plan. The third is some type of retention plan. All right, the prospecting plan. What does it look like? For me, the first thing I do is I live and die by my CRM. Whatever your CRM is, I don't care what it is. Whatever it is, I live and die by that CRM. And one of the first things I do is I build lists for me to work from. So if you're using Salesforce, you're going to use maybe tags as an example, if that's what you're doing. 
let's just say you're using the HubSpot CRM as an example, then what you might be doing is you might be using custom properties, just as an example. If you're in the ad sales business, you might be using the magazine manager. You're going to use contact groups. So one of the biggest things I do inside of my prospecting plan is I build lists. And these are lists of prospects, lists of people that are in progress with me, lists of people that are active. Every day when I sit down, that sales, uh, that uh, CRM is my first step. It's my dashboard. It's my guide. It's my captain. It's my Sherpa. Okay, I don't know very many reps that are a raging success that don't use a CRM. But inside that CRM, I like to build lists. Well, Ryan, what about the opportunities pipeline? I love pipelines. I love opportunity pipelines, as long as I can see them as a list. When I sit down in front of my computer, I want to be able to pull up that list of prospects and work them like a list. When I sit down and I'm going to actively retain, I want to see a list. I love lists, and I love to see those lists inside my CRM. It's one of the key components of my prospecting plan. Another component is being highly relevant. Every email, every text message, uh, every instant message in mail on LinkedIn is highly relevant. Hi, Bob, I see online you're doing this. Hi, Julie, I noticed that you're working with so-and-so. Hi, Bill, we're working with your competitor so-and-so. Highly relevant and work in lists. So that second piece, the first piece is prospecting plan. The second piece is a meetings and proposal plan. And when I go on my meetings and I present my proposals, I'm not just there to do a discovery session. Friends, you've got to recognize something in the sales business. Customer needs assessments are very misunderstood. And the reason they're misunderstood is they're called a customer needs assessment. Yet if you don't ask the right questions, you are hosting a customer wants assessment. And what they want and what they need are very often two completely different things. So you've got to be asking yourself, what are my five or six to ten critical sales questions that help me actually host a customer needs assessment and not a customer wants assessment? A customer wants assessment is very short-sighted because you're only going to give them what they want. A customer needs assessment, now that is when you really are drilling in not what they want, but what they actually need that are different. Wants and needs are different. It's important. Another part of my meeting process is I want to talk money right then and there. Everybody wants to talk about money six in 10, according to almost every piece of research I've read online ever. Six in 10 of your buyers want to talk money. They don't want you to cloak it. They don't want you to hide it. They want you to be transparent. Let's talk the money. How much is this going to cost me? Don't be afraid of it. That's why I'm never afraid to put a proposal together in advance, ever. I might be wrong. I mean, I might be wrong, but um, as far as what they, what they need, what they want, what their desires are, but at least I try. The third thing that I do as a pers- part of my personal sales plan is I've got a retention plan. My retention plan is all about monthly non-sales emails to my customers. I like to send a lot of stuff in the snail mail. That's a part of my retention plan. I'll send $5 Starbucks cards. I'll do handwritten thank you notes. I'll send stress balls. I buy those little cloths that you clean your glasses with. I send those. And then a big part of my retention plan is I travel. I want to get in front of people. Nothing better than being face-to-face. And if you can't be face-to-face, then use technology to your advantage. Whether it's Zoom or GoToMeeting or whatever it is that you use, use technology to replace that face-to-face if you can't be there. 
So three phrases or three pieces, if you will, to my personal sales plan that I'm working. I did it. I've done it for years. I'm doing it again in 2020. I've got a prospecting plan, a meetings and proposals plan, and a retention plan. And you need to break those three areas down and you need to put the little steps, the micro steps inside each one of those plans. Then also just recognize, friends, that you're not going to close 100%. If you do write a book, start a podcast, that's awesome. I'll read it. I'll be a fan. I'll be a raging fan, a raving fan. (laughs) But just recognize the reality out there. Three to 5% of the people that might buy your product or service are ready to go. So just be realistic about that. Understand that sales is hard work and it takes time. But I can tell you this, any plan is better than no plan. And when I put my personal sales plan in place, I put it together this time of year, every year, and I work it and I work my CRM and I work my list and I work my retention plan. When I work these plans religiously, friends, then I almost always end the end of the year better. I almost always have less stress. I'm selling more. I'm happier because I've put together a personal sales plan, a PSP. I'd love to see you put yours together. Email it to me, ryan at ryandorn.com. My last name is D-O-H-R-N, ryan at ryandorn.com. Let's discuss it. Email it to me. I'd love to give you props and kudos here on the show for putting it together. And remember, friends, if it was easy, if sales was easy, everybody would be doing it. And, And they're not. We're crazy to do this every day. We just are. But I love it. And it's a job that has fed my family for 28 years successfully. I love sales. And if you can't say that, you're in the wrong job. You got to love it or it's just going to be tiring. Love what you do. And people say you'll never have to work a day in your life. All right, friends, we got your listener questions coming up. A great one from Cindy out in California. Cindy is saying, hey, her company is crazy with meetings. She's not getting anything done. She wants a little bit of advice on that. Happy to do that. Emily, she's asking about 2020 habits. What should she be doing in 2020? Hey, Emily, I just gave you a little hint there, but Mike and I are going to talk about that. And then we've got Dexter from Tulsa. And what Dexter is saying is that people are literally telling him that they're not going to buy anything until after the election. So we've got to really talk about that. Whether you like the president or not, that's not the point. We really need to talk about that. So Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions, uh, he's going to be here next, and we're going to uh, to dissect that. All right, we'll be right back with more. Um, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach and trainer if I didn't have some sponsors. Uh, So do me a favor, stick around for 60 seconds, uh, let us pay a few bills, and then we'll be back with your listener questions here on the Ryan Dorn Business Show. All right, friends, we'll be right back. The Sales Training World Podcast is brought to you in part by OpenLook Business Solutions. OpenLook offers affordable outsourcing solutions like data cleanup, telemarketing, customer service follow-up, and so much more. Reach out to Mike at open-look.com. Are you looking to grow as a sales manager or VP of sales? Emmy Award-winning sales coach Ryan Dorn just recorded five hours of sales management training. It's available to you online now on demand. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. Over 1,000 sales managers agree. This is the best management training online. Go to salestrainingworld.com and click the videos tab for more information. All right, back to the show. Here's your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends, as you know, one of my favorite parts of the show each and every month is when Mike Obert from Open Look Business Solutions uh, joins us to uh, to answer these listener questions. And Mike, I've got some uh, I've got some good ones. But first, uh, happy Happy New Year! I hope that uh, 2019 
uh, delivered everything that you wanted it to deliver and so much more. How are things going? Things are great. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, yeah, really enjoy our time doing this each each month. And uh, yeah, 2020 is uh, is going to be a great year. Oh, that's excellent. Awesome. Well, we've got a, a question from Cindy in California. Uh, Emily in Phoenix, Dexter in uh, some of my old stomping grounds there of Tulsa. Uh, so why don't we just get right into it and uh, see if we can give them uh, give them some uh, some advice. Hey, by the way, um, we answered our uh, friends. We answered a question Mike and I did last month um, from a listener that was wanting to quit her sales job. Mike, you might remember that. Yeah. Um, so she took our advice, Mike. Imagine this. She took our advice, <laughs> stayed okay. with the job, and she's actually real happy. So there we go. Win, big win uh, for all, right. all of us here, uh, Mike, all for right. us giving, being therapists that we are. So. <laughs> all right, Cindy uh, from, from California, uh, her question. Um, I've yet to find a system to effectively juggle all the multiple tasks and still attend to my customers and prospects, not to mention the fact that my company is meeting crazy. I'm unable to plan my day. Uh, got any advice on time management? Um, Cindy, this is a common problem. Mike, you probably went into this um, with your with your business as well. I mean, time management's a pretty uh, a pretty big problem for everybody, don't you think? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Especially when you have those meetings that are meetings to talk about a meeting. I, <laughs> I totally get it. I like to uh, to advise people that if you let others control your calendar, they will do it. And so I would really consider there's one of the biggest time wasters is usually got a minute meetings where an employee team member will come up to you and say, hey, got a minute. Chet Holmes in his book, Good to Great, I think. No, that was um, The Ultimate Sales Machine. Chet Holmes, Ultimate Sales Machine. What he did is he set aside time for got a minute meetings. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, do you got a minute? Rather than just immediately dropping what you're doing, ask them to schedule time during your got a minute meeting time slot. So Chet would do like one at 10 and three and forced people to ask those questions during those time blocks. So I think that that could, um, you know, I think that could be really, really effective uh, as well. And then also make sure you block out time on your calendar because most companies use Outlook. So you can see other people's calendars. So Cindy, block out time on your calendar so that people can't book meetings all the time on your calendar. Those are a couple of things I like to do. Um, what do you think, Mike? What are some things that you do um, to, yeah, to manage time? 100% on the uh, blocking out time on the calendar. And I typically will try and go in on Fridays and look at my following week and block out like, okay, I'm going to use 9 to 1030 on prospecting. Uh, I'm going to use one to three on customer service of calling current advertisers or current people that I'm working with uh, just to do the maintenance that I need to do with them. So, yeah, being able to block that out and then also, you know, declining meetings. If somebody asks you, hey, I, you know, they send you a meeting request, you know, go ahead and decline it if you've got other things that are going on that are more important. Yeah. But no. yeah, I'm, no. I'm right there with you. Don't let other people control your calendar. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, we're going to talk about some of these things when we uh, go through Emily's uh, question from from Phoenix. Um, but the, some of the other things that I like to do is just make sure that I compartmentalize my sales tasks to certain times and certain days. So for example, and this is just an example, maybe you work on uh, selling of your events if you're in the ad sales business on Mondays and you work on special project sales on Tuesday or something like that. Um, for those of you that join us from other industries, for example, you might say, I'm only doing demos on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or, or I'm only doing meetings 
with new clients on Tuesday, Thursday. So you isolate some of those activities that could be helpful uh, as well. So, well, good luck, Cindy. Um, it's a, it's a interesting dilemma that all of us, you know, kind of run through. All right. Emily from Phoenix. I'll throw this one to you, uh, Mike. Um, she's looking for three habits that she sales habits that she could adopt in 2020 to improve her sales game. Anything that you do on a regular basis, sort of that's a, that's a habitual type of thing that could be helpful for Emily to know. Yeah, maybe uh, one thing is goal setting. Uh, goal setting is really important to uh, in my sales process. Uh, even if it's how many calls do I need to make today, um, but knowing what those goals are for each day, so that eventually it's going to lead to that that ultimate sell. So, if I need to make you know twenty calls to get five appointments, and one of those five appointments is going to turn into a sell. So, goals. I would say goal setting is a habit that that you should get into. Um, and, and even to the granular level of like, how many calls am I going to make in that particular okay. day? Yeah. Daily. Um, you're talking daily yeah. goals daily. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, that's good. I like, you know, uh, CRM for my, so my customer relationship management tool, whatever it is that you uh, use, um, CRM use for me, I would meet very few salespeople that do not use a CRM that are successful. I mean, there's a few of them out there that still use folders and flip books and notebooks and stuff like that. But, um, if you're managing your business without a CRM from a sales perspective, I think that that's, that's crucial to get a CRM, uh, you know, of some, of some kind of those of you in the media business, you know, that, um, I'm a big fan of the magazine manager and I've used it for years and years. A lot of my clients, I don't know what I would do if magazine manager wasn't there. I'd have to, I just, I would find another CRM <laughs> if that was the case. Um, right. you, you got any other thoughts on habits? Uh, one other thing too, is like, what, what are some of the daily tasks that you could eliminate, um, to give you back more time? Hmm. So things that, you know, that maybe you could outsource or, or things that, uh, an administrative person could do that maybe come easy and natural to you, but it's just time consuming. What are some of those things that you can take off of your plate to get time back to you? So that kind of goes back into what Cindy was talking about earlier of this time management, of, of being able to free up your time to go do what you do best. Yeah, no, I agree. The other thing is too, is, um, you know, make sure you plan time, um, some habits that make sure you are always looking to expand your knowledge. So I try to set aside an hour on Friday afternoons for personal research and development where I'm watching webinars. Um, I'm reading, I'm going to different websites that are important to my industry, expanding my industry knowledge. So I think that's, you know, super important as well, Emily. So super important. In fact, uh, Ryan, uh, my wife and I went and did our goal setting dinner last night that we do every year. And that was one thing that was on my list of like, I've got to do a better job of continuous learning of setting that time apart of like, how else can I be better at the craft that I'm doing? Yeah. And you, what you could do, and this isn't a pitch for me, it's a pitch for, uh, there's a lot of coaches out there. One of the reasons that I use a coach and like a coach is because it makes me accountable once a month to stop what I'm doing because I'm paying for it, get on the phone or video chat or whatever. And it's expensive. Coaching's expensive. And, and remember, friends, if you find a coach that's cheap, they're cheap for a reason. <laughs> People say to me all the time, I don't pay my lawyer that much. Well, I mean, you can you can hire a cheap coach, but I mean, you're going to get probably cheap advice. <laughs> so set some time aside for coaching. That could be uh, that could be helpful. So I'll sign you up, Mike, for that. So, <laughs> yeah, Everybody. call me next Tuesday. Exactly. Yeah. Um, good question, Emily and Cindy. All right. Uh, Dexter from Oklahoma, uh, T-Town. 
Tulsa out there. He asks, uh, he's starting to hear people say, this is so crazy. He's starting to hear people say that they're going to wait until after the 2020 election to make any big purchases. Any thoughts on how to get around that objection? Mount, wow. Man, I, mean, I, I have not on. heard that yet. That's, yeah, I that's have, 11 months away. I know. Um, I've heard some people talking about it and that there's some uncertainty there. I think this is what I would say. If you give up protecting your turf for 11 months, or if you wait to make a purchase for 11 months of some kind of big purchase, software, whatever it is, you're kind of putting yourself 11 months behind. So I believe it puts you behind the eight ball to wait. The other thing, Mike, you tell me what your thoughts on that is, regardless of what happens uh, with a presidential election, it typically takes 12 to 24 months for anything good or bad, usually to occur after someone's elected. Yeah, I agree um, with that. So I don't know. I have heard this. So one of the things I say, you'll laugh about this, Mike. One of the things that I say is interesting. I have not heard that from any of my other customers, even if I have. I don't know. What are your, I guess we always got to be careful getting into politics because um, I don't want right. to do that with clients or on this podcast. So um, Mike, what are your thoughts on that question? No, no, yeah, I, I agree. And and like you said, it's going to take a while for anything else to happen. And most good to great companies would be able to adjust no matter what happens into the, uh, with the election. So um, I, I, I don't think I would just like stop my business for, for a year based on what happens that you have no control over. So I would, uh, I don't know. I, I would press forward. I, I would use that tactic that you were talking about. Like, I mean, I, I haven't heard this at all, but you know, are you really going to sit out for a year? Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's, a, it's sticky and it's a, it's a sticky situation and a slippery slope. You got to be careful because you never know where someone lies, uh, politically. And, True. um, you know, I try to That's make true. sure that I stay out of that. Right. And so I, I sometimes will say to, to to clients that want to pull me into that conversation, um, hey, I'd love to just you know, rather than focus on politics, I'd love to, you know, focus in on, you know, on this and whatever, right. whatever the topic is. The bears. Something interesting. Side note. I've had people that I thought were a Democrat and I've had people I thought were a Republican that as the conversation progressed, I thought we were thinking the same way and we weren't. And it's ruined. It's ruined relationships. It's ruined conversations. It's ruined client interactions. Yeah. So, friends, I would say, Dexter, I would try to avoid talking politics as much as you possibly as you possibly can. Yeah, I agree with that, Ryan. That's oh, tough. That's a, it's a tough one. Dexter, yeah. thanks for the question. Emily, thanks uh, for the question. And uh, Cindy. Uh, has been a friend and a fan for quite some time. So thanks so much uh, for yours as well. Hey, friends, Mike and I love these questions. So send them in to us, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N, ryan at ryandorn.com. Hey, Mike, over at Open Look, um, you guys got some new stuff happening in 2020? Are you uh, just rolling forward? What's uh, what's going on over at Open Look in 2020? Yeah, I think we briefly talked about it on the last podcast, but we are really starting to see some traction with virtual employees. Um, a lot of the... Uh, customers that we've had over the years are now saying, you know what, I want to have these people working for me uh, 40 hours a week and either mining data for them, uh, going to find prospects for them, searching LinkedIn. Um, so I, we, we've seen a lot of traction over the last three months of people getting these virtual employees from OpenLook. Um, open-look.com is where you can find out more. And um, Happy New Year to you, Mike. I'm looking forward to Lots of fun in 2020. 
And happy New Year to you too, Ryan. 2020, let's go. I appreciate you being a part of the show. Open-look.com, friends. Open-look.com. And we'll talk to you uh, next month, Mike. Hey, don't forget, keep your questions coming in. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Last name is D-O-H-R-N. And, of course, you can find out what we do from a sales training perspective over at SalesTrainingWorld.com. So it's SalesTrainingWorld.com. You know, people ask me all the time, Ryan, what do you do when you come into an office, into a business? What do you do? It's a couple things we do. We do assessments to really help, you know, coach you to be the best salesperson that we can be, you can be. And we do full top to bottom audits. So we'll go through your entire sales department, marketing department, help you figure out where you're strong, where you're weak and stuff like that. And then what we really focus on is core skills training for leaders or for salespeople, sales strategies, subject lines, email structures, using Salesforce better or whatever CRM, you know, all that kind of stuff. So check us out over at salestrainingworld.com. All right, friends. Well, thanks so much. And I'll end with what we started with. And that is if sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not, so we're either crazy, <laughs> or which is possible, or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, God bless all of you. Get out there and sell something. If I can be of help, reach out to us over at salestrainingworld.com. Stick around, stay close. Another podcast coming right up where we're going to be talking about new business strategies. So that's be next uh, right here on the Sales Training World podcast. On behalf of the cast and crew at Brainswell Media, we'll see you next month. Take care.